You're listening to Tarot Talk, and I'm your host, Holly Ramey. I'm going to serve you some practical magic and give you tips and tools to bring the mystical into your everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 39 of Tarot Talk. I'm your host, Holly Ramey, and today I'm super excited to sit down with financial coach David Gibbs. David and I recently met, and I sat down with him to do one of his coaching sessions, and I was really inspired by um, some of the tips that he gave me, and not only how it helped me with money, but um, how deep it actually felt, um, and how it felt a little bit like shadow work to me. Um, So I'm really interested to dive into this topic. It's a new topic that we're talking about here on the podcast, so welcome, David. Hello, thank you. Thanks for being here with us. I'm so excited. I'm I'm really excited. I I can't believe just a few weeks ago I met you and we're here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And just so everybody knows, I even tried yoga with her and I'm 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 learning how to do the cars. Is that what it was called? The cars? Yes. Every day trying to do it correctly and my shoulders and feel good. Good, good. So, so David's getting fit and I'm getting my money shit together. And here we are all learning from each other. Yeah, David, let's just start. um, Tell the listeners just like a little bit about you and what you do as a financial coach. Now, a lot of folks, you know, first thing they hear when they hear financial coaches, financial advisor. And, you know, someone that's going to look at my numbers and all that. But really what I do as a financial coach is I focus on people's behavior, helping them figure things out from the inside out, not just there to crunch the numbers or get an Excel spreadsheet, but I'm actually working to help you change your behavior. So I've been um, a financial coach for two and a half years now. And man, I feel like I learn something new every day because there are so many different types of people, types of situations, types of personalities. And I have steps and basics that I take and then mold by learning about those people I'm working with. So, I mean, you know, for example, you know, Financial Peace University, if you've heard of Dave Ramsey's FPU, that's where I've been trained from. That's what I do. But in that class, they give, you know, a lot of folks all these basics, but then it's like, okay, but 30 people in this class, it's all generalized. So what I do as a coach is I take these principles, I learn about you, and I mold them to you. Awesome. Okay. So was this something that you like have always been passionate about? Or is this something like how did what inspired you to start doing this kind of work? Let's see, I I feel like I could be completely long winded about that one. But ever since I was little, I just wanted to help people. I thought I was going to be a cop at one time. I thought that, you know, I, I was in the service industry. I was a librarian, but I just couldn't figure out, you know, this isn't helping people the way I wanted to. And when I was a little kid, my parents had two bankruptcies and I had a lot of pain from that. And as I went through the steps I was talking about, Dave Ramsey's program myself, and I learned to, you know, take those principles, start budgeting every month. I just got so excited that I kept telling people about it. And I was doing this um, one job where I ended up just driving people back and forth from their houses a lot. And it must have been 
50, 60 conversations that kept ending up and people crying at the end of it saying, thank you. And I was just telling them what I went through, what I did and how I got to where I am, which is being debt free. And I was just like, man, people keep ending up crying. <laughs> and I really like this. I really love this feeling. I really love how much I helped them even in that short trip. Could I do something with this? Could I, you know, continue to help people? And I had no idea that any sort of training exists or to be, is, he, is it even a job? Because like I thought at the time, isn't it just financial advising? Isn't it just numbers? Don't I have to go get a math degree and all this stuff? And that's what I did find um, uh, in the Ramsey Solutions website. They had a financial coach master training. So I went through that, graduated that, and that was exactly what I wanted to help people with the things that I had to go through and realizing uh, it was definitely a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And I'm still learning today, but yeah, that's kind of what got me here. <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting because um, I was going to ask you if you feel like there is a strong emotional connection to money and mm -hmm. from like my um, more wellness standpoint and looking at the chakra system, which I do in my work, um, the, the chakra that's associated with our like self-worth mm -hmm. and with money um, is also associated with our emotions. So um, do you see that tie like all the time when you're working with all your clients? It, it's, it's, I mean, you know, they say what you are passionate about will manifest itself in your bank account, what you're putting your money towards. You know, it, it's in the barber, Bible, Bible, <laughs> it's in the Bible, where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Mm. So, you know, and I always kind of use that, especially with my uh, more Christian clients where I'm like, hey, you know, let's look at your bank account. Where is this all going? You know, <laughs> it's, it's really funny when it's ending up being like gambling or a bunch of subscriptions <laughs> and all this stuff. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? And, uh, but, you know, I mean, for, you know, like I was talking about with my parents and the bankruptcy, there are so many stories of hurt and emotion and behaviors that are from your, from being a little kid that will go with you all the way through your life that you're, that makes all of your financial decision, decisions. Yeah. You know? It, it makes it hard. It makes you want to go this way or that way, even without you realizing, without yeah. you being aware. And, you know, if you have a bad day, okay, I'm going to go shopping and feel better. You know, mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. something tough happens to you, if you're stressed, all of a sudden, oh, let's go buy it. I mean, you know, you always hear about the midlife crisis. I'm going to go buy a boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. we use money to solve our, heal our emotional wounds. Yeah. Or, I mean, to keep up with the Joneses, to make ourselves look good to somebody, to look good to this or that, to, I mean, you know, there are even the stories that I ran into of folks, you know, where their house is almost completely empty on the inside, but they have this big old house, this nice neighborhood, just so they can hang out with these people or those people. Mm. It's so connected with what's going on inside. It Money is, I've always feel that you know, some people feel like money's evil or not, you know, there's some argument there, but it's not, it's just, it's a tool. You know, that's what I always teach my people. It's a tool, but it's also a symptom of what's going on. How it is used as a tool is a symptom of what's going on. Inside. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And so like when you're working with people, um, 
you were talking earlier about how like sometimes we don't even know that, right? We don't even realize that that's what we're doing. So, you know, we have these unconscious beliefs around Mm -hmm. money. Um, And like, you know, I think we've all heard it or so many people, if you've grown up in a certain era, like money doesn't grow on trees or like money, you know, things that your parents said or like whatever, Um, And we like have that in the back of our mind and we make decisions from these beliefs, but how do you help people to like make those unconscious beliefs, like conscious, like bring them into the forefront, become aware of them and change them? Like, what does that look like? Well, you know, what's interesting is it's actually the the easiest way to figure those things out is to actually get them on a process that is month by month, week by week. And that's why the first thing that I start with is what is your reason why for changing? Because we know we want to change. And then we start with the budget. And what's amazing about the budget is it's like this magic wand that especially, actually, not just in any situation, I was going to say especially married folks, but no, no, any situation, that going through that process every single month and actually sticking to it opens up and shows every single crack that you have Mm. every single problem that you have comes from this process and it all just shows up and then what I do is you know that's why you know I usually recommend folks to be with me at least three months because the first time you do a budget it's usually going to be really rough and you know especially starting out a lot of folks get discouraged so the budget's going to be a little bit better because we're learning something And then the third budget is when you really start to get your feet underneath you. And, but that also gives, you know, a good three months of time to, wow, I didn't realize I was spending like this. I didn't realize I was doing this. I didn't. And then my spouse and I were actually not on the same page about 50 bazillion things. We got to work on this. So all those things, once you start getting disciplined, once you start the process, it all comes out. And then we work on each one individually. Mm. I feel that because I'm in the early stages of budgeting right now. And I'm like, there's shit that I'm just like, I put in all the numbers that I thought I I needed. And now it's just like, wait, but like vitamins. Yeah. Wait, but like, (laughs) it's just like these things that you don't even realize you spend money on. And it's just like, I think I remember telling you to think about what the yearly goals are, what the, you know, because that helps to form budget. And yeah, it can be challenging folks. And, and the biggest thing that I would want folks to hold on to is that, and, the, and to realize is that your budget is a living document. Sometimes my wife and I, we have two or three budget meetings a month because life will always happen. Mm. You know, I mean, we've been doing it for years and we stick to it very well, but sometimes you have challenging months where, my gosh, stuff keeps popping up or things are out of the ordinary, but that's okay. Don't get discouraged. That's just life. Uh, budget is not supposed to be a concrete written in stone. And if it doesn't work out, you just throw it down and destroy it. <laughs> no, don't give up. Just, I mean, is there anything to learn or is this a weird month? Mm-hmm. That's what you have to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. And another thing, you know, that I have folks do first is look at your last year bank statements if you can i mean if you want to be a nerd yeah last year but you know some folks do three six months and that will inform you so that you have a less frustrating time of budgeting yeah i mean (laughs) just do this month but it'll take you a little bit longer to run it all the (laughs) bumps. totally and i totally relate to that like shit 
this isn't working. I totally messed it up. I can't do this. I'm not good at this. I'm just gonna set that aside and move on with my life and pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think that's why, like for me, money feels like it, I can associate it with shadow work. Cause like shadow is like those things that we like hide, you know, or like just like tuck away and don't look at. And like one of the things that felt really empowering for me is the first thing you had me do, which is just like write down my debts Mm -hmm. from smallest to largest and then like make a plan, um, how to pay each one back. And like this, just the simple act of like looking at it, like pulling up my credit report, seeing everything out there all at once, writing it all down was like super empowering because I was like, this is stuff I have not looked at in so long because I didn't want to deal with it. And then when I finally did, I was like, A, this isn't half as bad as I thought it was. And B, like it's numbers on a screen. Like it's not going to jump out of the computer and like eat me like, <laughs> the way that I kind of thought it would. <laughs> but I'll tell you on the reverse side of that is when, you know, and what I, you know, the reason I have folks do that, if you remember, <laughs> the reason I have folks do that is when we get rid of that smallest one, that feels good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to jump in a screen, but it's going to feel darn good when you can delete that line and then delete the next line and then delete the next line, you know, and then it's getting smaller and smaller and that mountain is getting smaller and smaller until it's gone and you're free. So, and you were telling me that that's like a snowball effect, right? That you start to pay it off like faster and faster because your momentum grows and you get excited about it and you like build this like, you know, momentum and it just kind of keeps rolling. Um, And I, I wanted to ask like, because there's this thing in like, and you were talking about it earlier, like this like mindset of um, what is in your, what was it? What's in your heart? Um, The reason why? No, no, no. You said some, a quote from the Bible that was like, what's in your heart is where your treasure is, is that's where your heart is also. Okay. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Mm -hmm. So I actually have an Oracle deck, um, Mm -hmm. which is a, a, a type of, um, tarot deck or divination deck. And it it has that phrase on it. And I never realized that it was biblical, (laughs) but here we are worlds collide. Um, And it, and it's like, and it's, it's the last deck it's called, or it's the last card in the deck. It's called the way home. And, and once you make it there, it's like where your treasure is, your heart is also. Mm -hmm. Um, And what, what I thought of besides that tarot card or Oracle card was um, this like a lot of attraction stuff that we see everywhere and like the secret and like, are you familiar with these principles at all? And like that, like money and abundance is like this mindset. Mm -hmm. And I've read things about this and I've read the secret and I've done some work like with the law of attraction and it never worked for me. Um, And I was wondering if you could speak a little to that because I think that like there's this, idea in that that like if we just think positive mm-hmm. that like more money will appear <laughs> um is that working no it did not work it i didn't. tried it <laughs> I, I did read the secret one time i did read that one time and you know i i feel like it, it's interesting i i feel like it is a good thing to be have a positive mindset you know, mm-hmm. it's a 
thing. But I feel like it's just a piece of the puzzle. It's just a piece of the puzzle. I mean, you you know, I always feel like, you know, God can't drive a parked car. He can't mm-hmm. turn <laughs> doctor ship, you know, and, and I always feel like you have to have a good mixture of process and dreams and have a good positive attitude. But then also at the same time, you know, once you start doing these things, and for me personally, when I've started certain processes or started trying to build good habits, then that actually feeds back into my positive attitude. And then my positive attitude feeds back into the habits. So for me, it's really, it hasn't really started from a mindset per se, but more of a process that feeds into the mindset that then goes around. So I, I, I'm one that, you know, I guess I, to have a good analogy there, I, a little fake it till you make it kind mm-hmm. of act. You decide in your heart that, okay, I want to do these certain actions and these certain behaviors. And when they start gleaning great things, that's going to make you feel good. And then you want to going to keep doing those things. So, you know, so I, I'm actually, I'm writing a book about positive momentum about that. I wasn't going to talk about that today, but wow. I'm working on that. And, and so that's interesting that you asked that question. <laughs> so all those things feed into each other. And what I teach is each step, you know, I think remember we talked about this, each step is a foundational step. And then you make that completely strong and then you move to the next one. And with that creates momentum and momentum. So, you know, for example, at the end of all these steps, your house should be paid off. You should be completely out of debt. Then it's like at that point, no debt, no house payment, no car payment, no nothing. Guess what? Things are going to continue to build momentum. You'll be able to buy another house completely cash, which is what I always recommend. And then another house. Then you have real estate. And then you can be this rich, wealthy person and say, well, the secret was I just started doing it. <laughs> and isn't that funny? And, and like... I follow this woman, the holistic psychologist on Instagram, and she talks a lot about just like simple, actionable steps that we can take every day to make change. And like, that's kind of what it's reminding me of because she says like, they're promises that we make to ourselves. And like, as we continue, like you said, to do it every single day and just like continue to make that promise and just do the budget or like, you know, pay down the thing or like put this money in this place where it goes um, that we like make these. Um, we, we, I feel like it's like self-trust building mm-hmm. that we like know that we can trust ourselves to like do this thing that we know is good for us, even if it's hard every single day. And eventually it starts to become easy and then mm-hmm. as it becomes easier, we can tackle bigger and bigger things. Yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, you know, I always say foundation, foundation, foundation. So it's those tiny little habits that, you know, how, do you remember exactly? I always forget. How long does it take to establish a good habit? Is I think it, it's like 30 or 60 days. It's yeah. between 30 and 90. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And, you know, and so, you know, what I have always tried to do is, okay, I want to make some changes. Okay, I'm going to do this tiny habit for 60 days. I'm just going to focus on make sure I get that done. And then we'll move to the next one. And then, you know, one day you'll just be a perfect human being. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or at least balanced human beings. Uh, Try and try and. (laughs) 
Okay. So I was wondering, like, why do you think that money is such a taboo topic? Like why we have, like, for me, like I felt when we were working together really vulnerable, it was a little bit difficult to talk about some of this stuff. And like in terms of, you know, debt, I felt a lot of shame about mistakes that I've made with my money in the past. Um, and it was, it, you know, it's, it's not something that's just like we throw out there in conversation every day. So like, do you have any thoughts around that? Like why, why money seems to be so taboo? Well, um, you know, definitely the first thing that, you know, what we were talking about earlier is that it's just so connected to folks emotional, you know, their emotional heart, their emotional issues that have, you know, that brought them to this point. And so, you know, a lot of folks, you know, they end up in tears because, you know, this hurts. This is a hurt from their past. This is something that they have dealt with for a long time. I mean, usually by the time they get to me, they are feeling hopeless, Mm. you know? So, and then, you know, of course people, they don't want to share those things. They want people to think they're doing great. You know, Mm. there's the people pleasing aspect. There's the keeping Mm. up the Joneses aspect. So it's definitely a taboo thing. I mean, and then of course, you know, when you're a little older, it's kind of like, well, I'm supposed now, now I see people that are just like, well, I'm supposed to know better than this. Mm. And I don't want a kid who I probably powdered their butt a long time ago, you know, telling me Mm -hmm. anything because I'm supposed to be fine now. You know, there's that aspect. There's quite a few things like that, but yeah, you know, at at the core, it's whatever the emotional issue is that they're having, which there's a plethora across all kinds of people that, you know, they just, it's just a personal thing to Mm -hmm. them. And, and, And since it, you know, as we can go, forwards and backwards, you know, it's a symptom of them, but you can also, you know, trail it back to how they're feeling inside as well. So that's what makes, you know, that's what makes my job so much fun and difficult at the same time, because, you know, to be able to speak into someone's life like that, I have a few minutes on a phone, you know, when they call or reach out for coaching to try and make that connection, to try and give them hope, to show them how much I care. Because you have to earn that respect and earn the right to be able to recommend that they make this change in their life, recommend that they make that change. And that's that's the challenge and the beautiful thing about coaching because when it works, when someone lets me in and we're working together and I can actually coach them, it feels so good. And, you know, I would pay money to feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's what... Um, I was talking about earlier, um, last time we were, we were talking about doing the podcast because it's like, it is quite intimate to work yeah. with someone in this way. And like, of course, money's taboo because emotions are taboo in our yeah. culture and we don't talk about them and it's not, you know, super acceptable to be like, how are you doing today? And then be like, actually terrible. This happened. Like, we just don't do that. Um, <laughs> I dare everybody to do that today. One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is how I'm actually feeling. I need more <laughs> yeah, I'm struggling. This just happened to me. Can you imagine just like throwing that out in the elevator? Um, There's a commercial like that out right now. Have you is seen there? It? No. Yeah, where everybody's just like, oh, I went to the divorce attorney today and everybody can hear what they're saying. It's all crazy. Um. 
what was I going to say? Okay. Yeah. So it's a very intimate process, right? To sit down with your clients. Like they are very vulnerable. And like, at the end of the day, you are having to hold space for them Mm -hmm. to really see them in that pain and in that wound, that emotional wound that they may or may not even know that they have. Um, which at the end of the day, isn't that much different than what I do as a yoga instructor or as a healer or many people that I've interviewed on the podcast do um, is like we're space holders. We're people who know that this is a, an issue, know that this is a wound and that we have personally experienced it. And so because we've been through this on our own, we can then like help hold space for others. So was there anything that was like really pivotal for you um, when you were working through some of those wounds? Like, was there a moment when you were like, oh shit, I have a lot of this from childhood. Like, how did you, did someone hold space for you that way? Uh, You know, it's funny when I went through my debt-free journey, I thought I was hot stuff. Actually, I thought I knew everything. And I didn't need anybody's help. And I was just this arrogant cuss. Mm. My pivotal point was when I actually started thinking about coaching. And at that point, I realized, wow, that was when I was like, wow, I want to actually help people. Yet I'm holding all this anger towards my parents. Because Mm. when I was trying to get out of debt, it was this huge I'm going to prove everybody wrong because everybody keeps telling me that I have to be in debt forever, that car payments are a way of life, that I'm just going to be the same as my parents and my grandparents. And I was like, no, I'm not going to be. I'm going to change this and I'm going to prove all you wrong and then shake it in your face. Mm. So I had the complete wrong motivation when I was first doing it. I did it all on my own. But it was when I was becoming a coach and I realized, wow, I have not treated my parents very well. I have not I have not, as I was learning to coach, I have not met them where they're at. I have Mm. not shown them love. I have not learned from them or understood their pain and what their parents taught them. And they were just going from what their parents taught them. So I I learned a lot how to let that go, Mm. to love my parents. And that's actually, I'm very proud today because my parents and I, we actually that conversation isn't taboo anymore. It used to be everybody was angry at each other, but now my parents are all excited. They're, they're actually texting me. We're almost paying this off and they're excited. They're sharing with me because it went from me just being this angry little kid who's in his twenties and holding against them to actually loving them through it and showing them love by showing them the way, but with love, not just you're an idiot, you're wrong, do it my way, which is what I started to do. So that was the big pivot for me of instead of telling people what to do no 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 meet them where they're at love them where they're at and bring them and let's do this together you know actually coaching instead of judging yeah that's huge and also has been such a huge theme that I've been seeing repeated over and over again this 2020 is actually um one of the tarot cards I've pulled repeatedly is judgment and it asks us to let go of judgment and to really heal the heart and to be able to like understand people who even have different viewpoints than we do and like not be so polarized but see the humanity in all of us um and it sounds like what was really like 
huge for you was this process of forgiveness, letting go of all that resentment. And that's actually a word that I use, like an alternate word for that card is forgiveness. Um, It's such a process forgiving. Um, Was there anything that really helped you with that? Like, like, like journaling or doing any kind of meditate? Like how did you kind of enter into that process of forgiveness with them? You know, to tell you the truth, it was a conscious, conscious decision every time I talked to them or picked up the phone. Mm. Whatever they're going to say, if, it, if it's wrong, <laughs> then instead of choosing to attack them, mm-hmm. I chose to relax. If there's a spot where I can speak to them, then speak. But no more. Just give more hugs less you're wrong and if there are moments or if they ask me this because that was great is once I found that I made that conscious decision over and over again I started finding that wow they're actually seeing what I'm doing you know they're watching my Facebook lives and what I'm doing as a coach and all this stuff and they're actually asking me questions now Mm. so then wow that's actually giving me you know a little bit of a license to okay here's what I think here's what I think so just laying off, making that conscious decision to just stop it. Yeah. And having for a long time, having to do it before every single conversation, you know, yeah. because it, it was hard to start turning that ship. And just like, you know, any habit, 30, 60 days, it took me 30, 60 conversations to, no, I'm not going to be this way with my parents. I'm not going to be this way with my parents. I'm not going to be this way with my parents. So. So just like a beautiful practice of acceptance um, of them and also observation and awareness of your own like reactions to them. Yeah. And now they're kicking butt, paying everything off and doing what they're supposed to do. That's amazing. Bashing them in the head without rock. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So meeting them where they were at and that's like your goal with every client. Yeah. Every client, because you know, it, Everybody is different. We're all humans. We all have different stories. We all have different experiences. I mean, that's why I always say, you know, you can go and get all the knowledge you want to about the budgeting, the process and all that. But where I come in is 80% of it. You know, it's 20% knowledge, 80% behavior. And our hurts and things, those are what drive us one direction or the other. And so, yeah, you can, you know, do this or that, get all your knowledge but keeping that up every single month, keeping that up over and over again can be hard until you have the inner tools to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. And you're there as like the support system yeah. so that when you get, as we all do, caught up and they're like, hit that roadblock. Yeah. So well, we don't just give up. Place, you know, the, I mean, I've had clients for a couple months. I've had clients for a couple of years. And, you know, after a while, when it's like, we've been doing this for a while, you know, the longer it goes, sometimes I get a little tough, you know, it could be time. This is going to be a tough conversation, guys, let's make it happen. You know, all this, let's put it together. But, you know, I always try and make sure that I'm nice, but you know, I'm the coach too. It's like, come on, get it done. Let's you go. You got to throw that tough love out there. I'm trying to motivate all the parents know. <laughs> but that's the thing is trying to understand the difference and when you can do it. That's the hard mm-hmm. part. You know? Yeah. So let's just say um, that you are someone like me who has debt, like just like old debt, debt that feels 
crazy. And like you said, you're just kind of like hopeless around it. And like, like you said earlier in this place where everyone's telling you, like, you're never going to be able to pay this off. Um, this is just a part of life, you know? And I feel like for so many, it is because, you know, millennials are, um, the, the least paid and the highest educated group in the country right now. And yeah. And, you know, it kind of sucks when everybody's telling you, like, you have to go into 20 to $120,000 in debt to go to school. And then you get out and like, you get these entry level bullshit jobs for like $30,000, $40,000. And they're just like, yeah, you have to pay this shit off for life. So I feel like we're like kind of groomed right now. Like the system isn't working for us the way that it should in that like the American dream is bullshit. You don't just go to college and get this great job and own a home. And many millennials can't even afford to own a home. It's an issue. So like, if you're, I'm not even, I'm, I don't even think I'm a millennial. Um, but if you are, I think I'm past it. I think you might be. Okay. So if you're like in this age group or even older, I guess it doesn't even matter how old you are. Um, but like, if you have these issues, like what's the first thing that you tell your clients? Like, what do, like, how do we deal with this? (laughs) Where do you start? Yeah. Well, first off, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like there are so many things I want to come on that comment on there. Um, you know, I, I always want to make sure, and I always try to get folks kind of past any sort of victimhood. Mm-hmm. All right. This is where we're at. This is how it is. This is what we have. This is what we've been given in life. You know, I mean, the biggest thing that has happened to the millennials is that we were hearing from grandparents and parents that, what is a hundred thousand now was twenty five thousand then, mm-hmm. and and it went really fast. I mean, college shot through the roof fast. It got it went faster than the old folks were ready for. You know, mm-hmm. I love the old folks. I'm just kidding, but uh, it went faster, and they didn't. I don't. I I've learned this, you know, by trying to love my older family because my grandpa, he's a big proponent of, oh, you got to go into college and pay off. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. but they didn't know that, mm-hmm. and so. You know, this is where we're at. This is what we can do. So we start to, first off, you know, I would do all that you can for your kids, learn all that you can. I'm actually right now, just so that I can be more well-versed in it, I'm reading a great book called The Debt-Free Degree. And it's all about, you know, getting your degree without pain and then being stuck in alone for the rest of your life. Mm. Another thing that we've learned in this economy is that we're actually inundated with everybody with a bachelor's degree. And that's what's making that even more competitive. So folks our age aren't finding as many jobs because everybody and their mother's brother has a bachelor's degree. What's interesting, and I would encourage my clients and folks too, is there are actually tons of good jobs out there that are on the blue color side that actually we need to show some respect for. And that will pay you, you know, six figure salaries in a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, you know, if you ever, if your folks have ever heard of Mike Rowe, he has the Mike Rowe Works Foundation where he's giving scholarships away constantly, good things like that that people can use to, you know, I actually think the future is master and apprentice jobs. Yes. I mean, Holy. Those are awesome. And in the United States right now, those types of jobs are where they're missing. They're just open. There's tons mm. of jobs. But all the 
jobs for educated folks, there's not a lot right now. So we have an imbalance now that unfortunately the millennials hit with a lot of debt and imbalance and we have all this degree. So we should all, what I'm saying there is we should all become master quilt makers mm. and that will make six figures. <laughs> but, I love that. Uh, so with all that, um, you know, it, where we're at is where we're at. If you want a new career, go work and figure out what new career you want to work on. Um, a great guy to listen to for that. His name is Ken Coleman, and he has a book called The Proximity Principle. Okay. And, you know, he actually has a great website that has um, a good resume builder that's free, a good how to win the interview PDF that you can get that I've used myself, and it works great. Um, he's always talking about now we're in this just weird stuff. If you, you know, if you want to go find a career, go. And so what I teach, you know, with my clients is we're going to attack this thing in every way possible. Let's not be a victim. If you want a better job, okay, I send them to Ken Coleman, look for this better job, look what you want to do in your career. So if you want to make more money, then we want to cut the budget as much as possible so we can get this done quickly. You know, this isn't a fun process. We want it to be over as much as possible. So you can make more money, you can save money, you can be disciplined. And guess what? Being disciplined with your budget, being disciplined with your money, it's connected with your emotions. And that's going to show up in other parts of your life, in your jobs, in your relationships. And like we were talking about with momentum, positive momentum, it's all going to come back around. You're feeling good over here. Then you're feeling good over here. Then feeling good over here. And then all of a sudden you're Tony Robbins. (laughs) <laughs> love it. Love it. I'm here for it. Let's all be Tony Robbins. He's so exciting. Um, I love, love, love that the first thing you did is just call out the ultimate victimhood in my question. Cause it was just like, yes, that's absolutely true. Is just like, you're, we are not the victim of our circumstances. And like the other thing I was thinking as you were talking is like, and then you wrapped back around to it at the end is just like how victimhood is so attached to codependency. And it makes us feel like we don't have the power. And like how much, like I was doing a more spiritual money course right before I met you. And it was all about like taking your power back and like working on the third chakra with our sense of our will and our empowerment and our confidence and like our inner fire. And like, that's all of what I just heard you say in that answer is just like, you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances. You do have the power to do whatever you want. Just educate yourself and like figure out a way to do it, make a plan and go. And a good budget is the first step to everything, man. It's all feed it from your budget. That's your habit. Have you made your budget this month? I am. And like, like, like I said, like I bought vitamins yesterday and I was like, this wasn't on the budget. Oh my God. But I love hearing you say like, it's not set in stone. Just add it in next month. You'll remember that you have to buy vitamins. It'll be okay. <laughs> that's always the question, Holly, is with your budget, you know, having those bigger goals in your mm-hmm. mind while as you're making that budget mm-hmm. and then asking yourself, do I, is this a need or is this a want? And is mm-hmm. this budget helping me get to that goal faster? Yeah. You know, how fast do you want to achieve that goal? You can achieve it really fast and just have no vitamins for a while and just eat some red meat. <laughs> and, you know, it, it all depends. Because that's what I tell people. You can do whatever you want, but 
that's just, it all depends on how fast you want this to be over or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the other thing is just like, I'm, in, I'm just in my first month. So it's like, I'm forgetting things that I actually purchased and then getting like so mad at myself for like going under and over in the category. But I'm like, it's actually going to take me a couple months to figure out exactly what my budget is. Cause I've never yeah. paid attention to every single purchase in this yeah. way. Yeah. And that in itself is so, like you said, enlightening. Yeah. Um, when you're like, holy yeah. shit, this is actually how much money I spend. Yeah. Oh, and then that helps you spend less mm-hmm. when you know what you're actually spending. It's like, wow. And then you ask yourself the question, is this a need? Do I need this? Do I want to put this in the budget? Like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Okay. I'm going to ask you one last question. I know we both got toddlers who are uh, about to wake up for naps. Um, I have mine stirring in there. But um, before we end, if you, my question is like, if you had, if you had someone to give you advice when you were younger about money, um, what would that be? Like, what do you wish you knew? I know for me, as a 24 year old moving to New York city who had no fucking idea what to do. Nobody ever told me in school how to work with money. Um, what would be like a good foundational for the younger listeners, um, out there? Uh, well, you know, uh, a couple things is that I, I, I don't know. I, I wish I knew everything, I <laughs> but you know, the, the basics is, get your budget going and get used to that. And even if you become a millionaire, I expect you to still be on a budget because it doesn't matter because a budget is just a plan. Mm. It's not, it's not where, you know, it's not an apology. It's a plan, mm. you know, because uh, especially in my younger days, it was always, it was always like this, you know, you go hanging out with your friends in Applebee's and there's one person, Oh, we're on a budget, you know, it's like this terrible thing, you know, that has occurred, you know, no, 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 I'm just making a plan and I'm going to be rich more than you. But uh, <laughs> I, w- I would want to hear it, get on a budget. I would want to hear, you know, that as, as a Christian, I didn't understand that. Uh, and what I teach is that this isn't my money, this is God's money. So use it well, you know, use it as a tool to help others. And if you get in debt, that's going to mess that up and you're going to have to take care of yourself forever instead of being able to get charities instead of mm. you know if something's happened across the world like australia catches on fire guess what if you're out of debt and you have money you can just drop everything and go and help them yeah. how nice would that be if you can just go help people so really i guess the connection there of understanding the need for a budget and how great generosity is mm. and how being in debt robs you of those things that I think are really important to having a great life. Totally. And like tithing and, and being able to give back and like just knowing that um, money, like you said, is, is power in that way. In that, like the more we, we have to give, the more that naturally comes back to us and we just continue that like cycle and flow. Yeah. Cause I, ju- I just think, and of course, you know, I'm meeting myself where I am, but I, I just think sometimes, you know, it's like, it's, it's a bummer because who knows how many situations or how things would be different or what missions trip I would have gone on or could have gone on if I was out of debt sooner. Totally. You know? and, and, and it makes you sad when you see folks, you know, they're hopeless. They have this big house. They're working 80s hours, hours a week just to make that house payment. You could be doing so much more with your life and debt 
is a slave driver and robs you of those beautiful things. Totally. I love this conversation so much, David. Um, Tell the listeners how to find you and how to work with you. All right. Well, you can uh, find me on, let's see, I believe all the social media. I'm not on TikTok yet. I'm not a good dancer, but uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just uh, search Gibbs Financial Coaching. And on Twitter, I'm the real David Gibb. I couldn't get the S in there. And uh, on each one of those is a link to my website, which also has my calendar on it. Well, I mean, once you go to my website, you'll be able to say, you know, I want to set up a consultation. All my consultations are complimentary. I want to learn about you. I want to learn about what your situation. And then based upon what you tell me, then I will make a recommendation on how we can move forward. Perfect. Okay. I'm going to link all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today. And for the listeners, hang in. There's going to be a tarot forecast coming up for the full moon in Taurus. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into the show. I hope that you enjoyed that amazing interview with David Gibbs. Such a beautiful energy to explore during the Scorpio season is our relationship with that or those things that are taboo. So this is going to be a full moon forecast for the upcoming full blue moon in Taurus. And as I've been mentioning, we are now exploring the full moon energy of the opposing sign of the sun sign that we're in, right? So for a while, we were always kind of welcoming in the new moon in the days or week that follows the sun shift into that sign. But now we're starting with the full moon energy. And so this upcoming full moon is considered a blue moon. Not because it looks blue, not because of its color, but because of the fact that there are two full moons in one calendar month. And the first full moon was on the first of the month in Aries, and now we are closing out the month with a full moon in Taurus. And so it used to be before we followed this Gregorian calendar that one one month is one month, right? So there really couldn't be two full moons in a month. But now that we follow a more linear Gregorian calendar, it can happen that in those 31 days chosen for October, we can have two full moons. So that expression, once in a blue moon, comes from this, in that it is rare to have two full moons in one calendar month. So it doesn't change anything about kind of the cyclical um, cycles of each season. Scorpio season is still about a month long and it is still encompassed of one full moon cycle, meaning from new into Um, waxing into full and then waning. And so what we're going to look at is not only this full moon, but also it falls on Halloween or what is called Samhain in the uh, pagan or Celtic traditions, um, All Saints Day and the Day of the Dead, right? So these all are not on the same exact day, but they all fall within the few days of the full moon. 
And so a full moon on Halloween, it can't get any witchier than that, my loves. Okay, so let's just start with the energetics of a full moon. A full moon is obviously when the moon is at its peak, so we see it in its fullness in the sky, and this is a time of illumination. And where I think of the new moon as more of a quiet, introspective time to plant seeds for manifestation, the full moon is a culmination of the energy at its peak. And so in the brightness of this light, we get to see those things that maybe were in the dark, were maybe in the shadow. And um, we also get an opportunity. I believe this is a really peak release point. So what is being illuminated? What do we want to keep? What do we want to transform? What do we want to change? Um, and so I really like to focus my ritual on um, release at this time. I love to do a great fire ceremony, um, just burning a piece of paper with the things I'm ready to let go of, and really honoring those things as I let go, honoring the lessons they have taught me, honoring the way that they have kept me safe, honoring with gratitude, um, what it is that even when we are releasing things, even things that feel toxic um, have served us in some way at some time. And so what can we do to honor that? Um, Okay, so before I dive into the cards, I'm going to talk a little bit about the holidays and the, the kind of themes of these holidays. Um, we have Halloween which was, you know, considered or adapted from All Saints Day. We have um, the Day of the Dead. We have Samhain. All of these holidays are really associated with our ancestors and loved ones who have passed. Um, and it is considered a time to honor and celebrate those who have come before us and to really understand that we are standing on the shoulders of our ancestors, that they walk alongside of us and not really a time for mourning, but more a time for celebration of those stories that they have written and the story that continues to live it on within us and the stories that we will pass on, right? And how we allow those stories to grow and evolve and transform the karmic lessons that we came here to learn, the continuation of those lessons on a deeper and deeper level, right? And how we <clears throat> can honor those who came before us in helping us to get to where we are now. Okay, you guys. So, you know, there's a lot I can say about this holiday um, and the way that it's represented in our society. I do feel that we have a strong disconnection to this um, and that, you know, Halloween has turned into a really capitalistic holiday in which we just like eat candy and buy costumes and dress up and decorate. And, um, it, you know, it is the way that our society has really disconnected us from honor and ritual, especially with death, especially with 
um, the rituals that come with that, with um, honoring death, with honoring even uh, ends of life in general, our elders, and um, really turned it into just another reason to buy shit. But I can go on and on about that. And what I would really prefer to do is just um, encourage you to reflect on this theme of loved ones who have passed of your ancestors and where you came from, of your connection to that, or maybe even your disconnection to that, how that lives inside of you, um, what death means to you, both as a physical state and also as um, the more spiritual state of change and evolution, how death isn't just a physical act of our bodies dying, but there are many deaths we go through in our lives, deaths of old ways of being, habits, beliefs, relationships, seasons of our life, these kinds of things. And how are we willing and able to go with the flow of that change? Are we allowing ourselves to transform or do we feel fixed and uh, stagnant and really attached to our beliefs? Okay, so these are some themes that we can really reflect on for this holiday. Um, one of my my favorite uh, astrologers and tarot readers, Jeff Hinshaw of Cosmic Cousins, I interviewed him on the podcast last year. Um, I saw him post something about Scorpio season and its connection to death and these holidays, and um, he he offered a really beautiful ritual of just like buying a bouquet of red roses and taking them to a body of water and releasing them in um, just sacred reverence for maybe a loved one who has passed or for our ancestors. So that's a really beautiful ritual suggestion. Something as simple as putting a picture on your altar, lighting a candle, even if you don't have connection to your ancestors, um, even if you don't even know who they are, where they came from, or any stories of your genetics or anything like that, we can still honor them. Um, we can still honor them spiritually. We didn't. We don't have to like know them, um, and we have loved ones and guides and guardians all around us. So, um, any way that that feels right to you, and as far as ritual, it is truly what feels right for you. Okay, you guys, so if you want to get more into ancestor work, go back and listen also to my interview with Mystical Mandrake Root. She goes really um, deep into some ritual suggestions for how to work with your ancestors. Okay, so um, a couple of announcements. I am bringing back the year ahead spreads for this year. Uh, we've got 2021 coming up right around the corner, you guys. I know this year has been insane. I can't believe it's almost over. Um, 2020 was such a crazy year. I did the 2020 vision year ahead spreads last year and we were in the energy of the emperor. We talked all about structure and stability and you know what we ended up seeing was the emperor reversed and all that toxic masculine energy and how it really came forth in our society. Um, I really feel Trump was the, the forefront of that emperor role and we watched you know as he uh, really embodied that energy in not always the highest vibe, 
right? So um, moving into 2021, we're looking at the number five. We're looking at the Hierophant year. We're looking at themes of spiritual disciplines. We're looking at themes of tradition. We're looking at religious beliefs. And hopefully, you guys, we're looking at ways in which to transform those and change the dynamic. And when I see the Hierophant in the reverse position, we're really challenging structures and traditions of the past and paving a new way. Okay, so what I do with the 2021 year ahead spreads is I pull a tarot spread with multiple decks, multiple cards, and take a deep dive into your year. I pull a card for your year and talk about the energetic theme of that. And then I pull a card for each month, several cards for each month. And I give you a customized kind of blueprint of the energetic themes of each month. I give you everything from like practical guidance to spiritual homework or ritual suggestion. And this can literally be anything from like meditation, or journal work or just like um, questions to reflect on throughout that month. And sometimes it's something like super tangible, like looking at your diet or exercising or paying attention to your physical body or your relationships or whatever it is. So um, yeah, it's really customized to you. And I offer two formats. One is a video and the other is a PDF. The PDFs are... um, quite involved so they take a little bit longer to do the price point is a little different but um, they're only available for a limited time and I can only do a limited number because they are quite time consuming so if you're interested go grab one on the website and um, I'm also offering a new weekly yoga class it's the weekly unwind on Sunday nights at 5 p.m cst this is going to be yin and restorative yoga and this is just to really help us close out this year, staying as balanced in our systems as we can. We are so inundated with so much going on with this election, with COVID numbers rising for this winter. And it's really, really important, I think now more than ever, to stay grounded to keep our nervous system balanced and to really take time out for rest and sacred silence and that can be so difficult when we're inundated with so much around us so I really carved out this space um, to give us that moment that hour in our week to pause and really get the nervous system the parasympathetic nervous system involved that rest and digest which boosts our serotonin melatonin brings the system back into balance okay you guys so the more that we rest we have to practice resting we have to teach our bodies to rest the same way we teach our muscles to strengthen and the more that we do that the more that the body remains remembers how to rest and the more easily you can access that state off the mat and so it's really important to get on the mat and teach the body these ways these physical cues this breath work this centering so that we can find that throughout our day as well when we spiral out because we've read too much news or someone pisses us the fuck off i mean it's mercury retrograde um mars retrograde you know there's there's um frustration there's aggression and so it's really important to have tools to bring us back into center bring us into our bodies and grounded into the earth and remember how to do that. And so that's what this course or rather this yoga class is all about. It's just a 12 hour 
$12 drop-in, and you can even watch the replay as many times as you want. So that's Sundays, 5 p.m. CST, the weekly unwind. Okay, you guys, let's jump into the forecast now. I pulled a three-card spread. The first is the theme for this full moon, and I'm using the Wild Unknown tarot deck as well as the postcards from the liminal space. And we've got the Four of Cups reversed with the veil is thin. Of course we've got to pull the veil is thin. This is the thinnest the veil will be, right? And this is what happens in the fall and the spring. The veil between the worlds thins. This gives us deeper connection to our ancestors, to our loved ones, right? This is why we have all of these holidays at this time. And it's really interesting because I pulled for the last moon cycle, I pulled the four of pentacles reversed. And now we're seeing the four of cups reversed. Both cards represent this energy of constriction, of holding back, of tightening our grip so much that we don't allow anything to flow in or out. And when I see this in the reverse position, it's when, like I said, we're finally starting to loosen our grip. We're starting to let go. We're starting to surrender. Now the four of cups is really when we're not allowing receptivity in our emotional world. We can look at this as a bit of like emotional greed. We might be asking for something or wanting for something that we're actually not willing to give. And this isn't because we're making this like super conscious decision of like, I want you to give me this, but I won't give you anything in return. It's often this more unconscious patterning, right? Of fear of receptivity, fear of that intimacy, fear of really putting ourselves out there and then not getting the the nourishment that we need, right? And so instead of being open and available to it, we close our hearts off and just say, mm, nope, I'm just going to keep this protected so that I don't have to deal with the potential for rejection or abandonment or shaming or whatever it is that we perceive we might be we might get instead, right? And so when I see the four of cups in the reverse, this is when we are able to start maybe taking down some of those walls that we've built up around ourselves out of a sense of of protection. And what it really allows for is more compassion and more empathy. It is a space in which we're able to hold ourselves better, to really reparent our own inner child and hold space for those parts of ourselves that we may have been internally shaming or blaming and really just provide more love and compassion and nourishment. But it's a waking up. It's it's this time when we're moving what was unconscious into our consciousness. And this, with the veil is thin, is really a time when we can possibly use our practice, our meditation, our breath work, our ritual, whatever your journaling, whatever your practice is to connect with maybe past loved ones, with your guides, with your guardians, with your God, whatever it is that is your form of spirituality. Now, with the veil is thin, we also want to remind ourselves that boundaries and spiritual protection should also be used at your discernment, right? And so 
choosing times when you want to be open and then choosing times when you want to focus on other things and live your life, right? We don't always have to be this like wide open antenna. And if you're really sensitive and empathic, this may be a time when you want to focus more on grounding your own energy and not being, you know, around places where you're going to feel super um, sensitive, right? Um, so you may want to have a practice like carrying around some grounding and protective stones like smoky quartz and black tourmaline. Um, Maybe you want to do some ritual baths with um, Epsom salts or Himalayan salt for like grounding and clearing. Um, You can work with rosemary. I love rosemary as a beautiful protective herb. I love to put a drop of the essential oil on my crown. I love to put a sprig of fresh rosemary in the bath and even cook with it, right? So when the veil is thin, you know, I think they say something in this guidebook, like go and get what you need, but come back quickly, right? So we don't want to stay kind of up and open all of the time, but we can use our ritual and our practice to kind of receive wisdom and downloads and look into our intuition or connect with our ancestors. And then we kind of close that portal. Okay, you guys, so what we are releasing for this full moon, I'm pulling the six of pentacles with be careful signing contracts. Now, usually I pull the six of pentacles as, um, you know, a card that we want to see. It's about balance in the physical realm. And, you know, this is a full moon in Taurus and Taurus brings us into the material. Taurus is about Um, It is the opposing sign of Scorpio. So where Scorpio takes us deep, deep into the depths of our emotional realms, Taurus balances that out by keeping us in the material plane, by asking us to focus on what's real and grounding in this moment. So that might be your physical body. Um, There's a strong connection to food and how we nourish ourselves physically and also our tangible things like our actual money and the tangible things in our lives. Right. And so like Taurus is ruled by Venus and it loves beauty and it loves luxury and it loves self-care and nourishment in a really tangible physical way. Right. And so when you think about this. Right. And what we're releasing here, it may be any imbalance in the superficial or more tangible material, any codependency we may have with money, bad money habits, imbalances in our money, imbalances with our diet or our food or our exercise or something in relation to our physical health and body. Okay. Be careful signing contracts. Um, is asking us to look at maybe some of the karmic contracts we made in our relationship with money and the flow of give and receive of money or resources in some way, or again, our physical health. All right. So we're clearing some shit out there (laughs) for this full moon in Taurus. We're clearing some shit out with the themes of our physical well-being and what makes us feel secure and nourished and what might be a little bit too attached or over aggressive there. All right. And then what we are bringing in, I love this. It's the hanged man reversed with what you love, loves you back. And so now here we are back in this realm of surrender and letting go, right? The hangman asks us to hang out, not to fight the rope around your foot and try to get free. What you resist persists, right? 
And so when I see the hangman in the reverse position, it is when we have decided to surrender and let go and actually see things from a new perspective. And I always think about the hangman in the reverse position being about that moment of enlightenment when the halo forms around the head, right? When he's upright, when, or when he's reversed, he's actually in an upright position because when the card is upright, the man is hanging upside down. Are you staying with me here? <laughs> okay. So when we look at him upright, the halo of enlightenment is around his head and it's like he's glowing at the crown. He has actually come to a pretty intense realization. And here, what he's realizing is that what he loves, loves him back. And we're coming back into this theme of the reciprocation of give and receive. All right. So with that four of cups reversed, the more you take those walls down around your heart and reach out and give, the more you are going to get back. And so here, this whole reading comes together to really close in this beautiful way of reciprocity. And instead of asking yourself, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? This reading is asking, what can I give? How can I serve? What am I offering? What are your true gifts and how do you want to express them? How do you want to be received? How do you want to feel and what actions do you take to make sure that you do that for others? We can't ask for what we are not willing to give. We can't expect things to show up in our lives if we are not open to receiving them. If you want more money, but you haven't figured out a way to manage the money that you have or you have really shitty habits of avoiding money, right? Like we talked about with David, then you're not going to get more because you're not going to know what to do with it, right? If you want more clients, um, then you need to be able to hold space for that. Do you have that space? Have you worked with your energy body to be able to work with more people, right? This kind of reciprocity, right? And so what you love, loves you back. And so this is really an opportunity to put love and nourishment into the areas of your life where you would like to receive more, whether that is in your relationships or with your money or in your career, what you love and give your attention to will love you back. All right, you guys, this is a really beautiful reading for this full moon in Taurus. I'm wishing you a lovely, lovely Halloween, Samhain, Day of the Dead, whatever it is you celebrate, a magical, magical full moon. And um, thank you so much for being here. If you enjoy this podcast, I would so appreciate it if you would share it with others, reach out to me, let me know if you relate to this. I always really appreciate hearing from you and also write a review. I don't have very many reviews on Apple Podcasts, so if you could take the time, a few moments to write a review, if you enjoy this, I would appreciate that so much. All right, you guys, I will talk to you in a few weeks. Take care.